This week's family Bible story for family prayer is Jesus Walks on the Water, Matthew 14, 22 through 36. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Most merciful God and Father, we give thanks to you that your Son has placed the condemnation of the law, the judgment that we deserve, Satan and death under his feet by his redeeming work upon the cross, that we, through Christ's victory, might trample all of these enemies underfoot, knowing that our sins are forgiven and that we belong to you. Grant us to live in daily contrition and repentance with the eyes of faith fixed firmly upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Jesus walks on the water, Matthew 14, verses 22 through 36. And before reading the lesson, I want to make two very strong catechism connections uh, to this particular reading. Um, it might seem to some that it is a strange reading because of the strange miracle of Jesus walking on the water. What purpose does that serve? But it is not only in the action of Jesus walking on the water, but also in what he says to the disciples that shows him to be, according to the second article of the creed, our Redeemer from sin, death, and the condemnation of hell. And secondly, that he is true God, begotten of the Father from eternity. So if you look at the second article explanation, I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, as well as true man, that is highlighted in this reading, has redeemed me, how? With his holy, precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. That is in this reading also. And so we will talk about it as we go through verse by verse, Matthew chapter 14, beginning at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. The sea is the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias or Lake Gennesaret. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. And when evening had come, he was alone there. So here's another catechism connection. This subtle reference to Jesus going off by himself to pray. Think of all of the petitions of the Lord's Prayer and the comforting words of the small catechism. Prayer is the voice of faith. We have corporate prayer of the whole congregation assembled together on a Sunday morning for divine service. But there is also the very important personal and individual prayer of every baptized Christian. Prayer is the voice of faith. It rests upon the promises of God's word. We have the right to pray because of our baptism into Christ, the Son of the Father. Through his death upon the cross, we have access to God. 
And we see the importance of prayer in how Jesus values it and in what he does. He went by himself to pray. Verse 24. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Here we have one of the many references in the Gospels to a boat on a sea and a storm. Since the time of Jesus, the church has been depicted as a boat. On the sea of this world, tossed to and fro with all kinds of enemies that threaten to destroy the church. Verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. The fourth watch of the night would be between three o'clock in the morning and six. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Now, Jesus walked bodily, physically. He was no disembodied spirit. He was no ghost. He walked bodily, physically, upon the waves of the Sea of Galilee. Verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Now here, in verse 27 we have a very important point that is missed because of the English translation. Very few English translations translate the Greek accurately at this point. Jesus is not simply saying to his disciples, hey guys, don't be afraid, it's just me. No, instead, he uses the Greek words ego eimi, the literal translation of which is I am. And for those who know the Old Testament, this should immediately bring up the appearance of the Lord and his revelation to Moses at the burning bush. Who shall I say that you are? What is your name? I am who I am. And as I like to point out, I am, it's based on the verb to be. I always have been, I am now, and I ever shall be. I am who I am. It's where we get the transliteration Yahweh, or how it is put into English in the Old Testament, Lord with all caps. So the Lord, Yahweh, that God of the promise of salvation made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he is God. So the name Elijah, for example, in the Old Testament, means Yahweh, I am, is God. And it's always associated with the promise of salvation made to the patriarch. So I am the eternal God of the promise of salvation, which means this God who alone is God is the God who does for us to create us, to save us, to redeem us, to restore and keep us. So instead of us serving the deity so that he will do something for us, the only true and living God, Yahweh, the triune God of love, does for us what we cannot do for ourselves, and we're dependent upon him. So, when Jesus walks upon the water and he says, be of good cheer, it is I, it really means, be of good cheer, I am. Do not be afraid. Or you could even say it this way, 
Be of good cheer, I am. Your sins are forgiven. Do not be afraid of judgment, condemnation, or hell. I have come to redeem you according to the promise of salvation. That's why I said that the first catechism connection is the second article of the creed. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, my Lord. He is true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man. And he's redeemed us from sin, death, and the devil with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. So the significance of him walking on the water, however, is not simply an illustration that he's God, he's got the power to walk on water, but raging seas, stormy winds and waves are always depictions from the time of Noah and the flood to the crossing of the Red Sea to Jonah having to be hurled into the raging seas so that there is a great calm. These raging seas are always pictures of divine judgment because of the problem of sin, the condemnation of the law, the accusations of Satan, the evil one. And Jesus as our Redeemer he would come, according to the promise made in Genesis 3.15, to crush the serpent's head with his heel. So here's the connection. You've got the Redeemer. He's redeemed us with his holy precious blood, his innocent suffering and death, walking upon the raging seas. As if to say, he has come to redeem and place all of these enemies under his feet. So, of course, it is an illustration that he has divine power. But even more than that, that he is the Redeemer who has placed sin, death, and Satan's power under his feet for us and for our benefit. That then leads us into the next part. Verse 28, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he, Jesus said, come. Now, whenever Jesus says come, that is a call to faith. Come. And who is Peter asking, uh, what is he asking of Jesus, you could say, when he says, if it's you, come to me. If you are the Redeemer, if you are God in the flesh, if you are the great I Am, the Lord who has redeemed us from sin, death, and the power of the devil, then bid me come to you. And so, that's who he is, and Jesus says, come. It's the call to faith. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Where is his focus? He is looking to Jesus, who here, the eyes are the organ of faith. The object of Peter's faith, the object of faith for the Christian is Jesus, the one who is our Redeemer, who has put sin, death, and hell under our feet so that we do not drown in eternal condemnation and despair. Verse 30, but when he, that is Peter, saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. So when Peter looks away from Jesus, that is to say, away from faith in Jesus, and he sees the threat, immediately he begins to sink. When we look away from Jesus and see the judgment of the law, or the accusations of Satan, we begin to drown. But faith is not completely destroyed. In the midst of suffering with the judgment of the law that we deserve, the accusations of Satan, and there's always an element of truth in them, 
The only place we have refuge and salvation is in the Lord Jesus, into whom we have been baptized. And so, he cries out rightly in prayer, the prayer of the baptized, Lord, save me. And now notice, Jesus does not say, I'm not going to save you. You don't have strong enough faith, as if Peter's faith was of his own creation. It wasn't. He cry out, cried out in faith. His faith was great, not because of his strength of believing, but because of the object of faith, his Lord and Savior, and the only Savior from the stormy seas or from the judgment of eternal death. Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? It is as if Jesus were saying, why did you doubt me as your Redeemer, as your Savior? To put it in our terms today, why did you doubt me? I have died for you. I've shed my blood for you. I have redeemed you. I have forgiven you all your sin. I have declared you're righteous. None of these enemies can, de can destroy you. When Jesus reaches out to him, grabs him, catches him, and brings him into the safety of the boat, it is a sign of how Jesus is constantly reaching out to us in our struggle with sin, unbelief, doubt, and fear to rescue us. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Because Jesus is in the boat, he calms the seas, and in him, our Redeemer, we are safe. Then those who were with him in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So there we have the confession of faith. Truly, Jesus is the Son of God here in Matthew chapter 14, which is exactly what he proclaimed when he said, Do not be afraid. I am, as he walked on the water. It is also then what Peter and the disciples will affirm in chapter 16 of Matthew's gospel, when he says of Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Notice how Peter walking to Jesus, sinking down, and then being drawn out of the water again by Jesus is a picture of the daily significance of our baptism. Remember what the Catechism says, that we should by daily contrition and repentance have the old Adam in us drown and die with all sins and evil desires, so that, and this is by the power of Christ's absolution which catches us, so that the new man might come forth and arise. So we see that here. We see the deity of Christ in this reading. We see the nature of his redeeming work in this reading. We also see the character and nature of the baptismal life on this side of the grave, where we return to our baptism. The old Adam is drowned and dies, as happened to Simon Peter here, and then by the power of Jesus' absolution, the new man comes forth and arises. And the result of that is the confession of faith, you are the Son of God. Finally, the reading concludes the verses 34 through 36. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret, and when the men, that, and when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all that surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched it were made perfectly well. This is the word of the Lord. So I think it's important to see here that 
not only in Jesus walking on the water, but in the miracle of him catching Peter and bringing him to the safety of the ship, we see divine grace, divine mercy and compassion in operation. And that's behind all of the miracles of Jesus. So all of these people who were recipients of Jesus' miracles were first sinners whom he rescued with his word of mercy and forgiveness. That's the hand that caught Peter. That's the hand that cleansed the leper, gave sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, and that raised the dead. And that's why the men of Gennesaret, recognizing him, send out word, and all who are sick come to him because they heard in Jesus' preaching and in the miraculous signs that accompanied that preaching, the God of salvation. And that they begged, if only they might touch the hem of his garment, we see an allusion to the sacraments here, how power goes out from Jesus through his garments to bring healing, new life, and salvation. So what do we learn? Number one, Jesus is the Lord God. Number two, he is the Redeemer who has trampled sin, death, and the judgment of hell under our feet. Number three, he rescues us out of his love, though our faith is weak. And by the call of the gospel and by his word of forgiveness, he brings us out of sinking into the ocean of our own sins and the law's judgment into the safety of his absolution. And number four, the baptismal life is lived out in daily contrition and repentance. The struggle with sin has a purpose, not that God wants us to continue in sin, but that we might turn from it and cry out to him alone for help and deliverance. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, as Jesus proclaimed himself to be the Son of the living God by walking upon the water, and as our Redeemer who had trampled sin, death, and Satan's power underfoot, so grant us to receive him to cry out to him all of the days of our lives, to live in contrition and repentance, and by his forgiveness to be raised anew each day, to live before God in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.